Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chat Channel. My name is Tim Hayden, and I'll be your host. We have a super show for you today. Our guest is the outstanding and beautiful Eileen Kristen. Eileen is an American actress. She's appeared in many TV shows such as Another World, Law and Order SCU, and The Bay, the series. But she's probably best known for her role as Delia Ryan in the ABC soap opera Ryan's Hope and her Emmy-nominated performances as Roxy Bossom on One Like to Live. Let's add Eileen to the show. Hello, Eileen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. A little sniffly. Uh, you know, I've got a box of tissue. Because I got time of year. Yeah, I don't usually get sick, but um, I don't know. I thought I had like uh, October, uh, November allergies or something. So uh, I thought it was allergies, but it's just a good old garden variety cold. Just to let you know, my buzzer may ring. I have to just buzz it because I'm expecting a very important package. Uh, That's fine. That well, you're allowed. Trust me. <laughs> I, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. Pleasure to be here. Um, well, I always start way back to the beginning on that show. So what was it like for you growing up in Brooklyn? In retrospect, it was fantastic. You know, by the time I left Brooklyn, I really wanted to be out of Brooklyn, but it really was a lovely place to grow up. And I had lovely friends and we used to play like outdoor sports. I used to bike ride. It was a kind of pretty section of Brooklyn that had a lot of private homes, although I lived in an apartment building. But down the street, there were... Uh, there were like big Victorian homes and um, and just very uh, unusual uh, architecture because some of it was Dutch inspired because, you know, New York City would, was basically a Dutch colony. So there was still remnants of that. And a lot of the names of places in Brooklyn were Dutch. Right. That That's cool. Uh, that had to be cool growing up, especially looking back from it now how you know just it's just so cool of a time to grow up in that area uh it really was and i'm still friendly with two of my uh, two of my girlfriends from that time period uh i'm still friendly with them one in particular who lives down in florida we see each other whenever i go down to florida and that that's is so cool because nice it's uh, we've known each other a long long time Yes, I, I've got a couple people like that. I've been friends with since kindergarten. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you come from an artistic or acting family? Not acting, but artistic. Uh, my, you know, it's very funny. My grandmother, uh, my grandmother was a natural performer, and uh, she was very extroverted. My mother was very introverted. Although my mother had a lovely singing voice, but she never was very confident about it. But my grandmother was um, very extroverted and she used to get on the, uh, she used to perform with some group that she was with and she used to get on a tabletop with a hat and a cane and, you know, and, 
and do uh, Anything Goes. She used to sing the song, uh, Anything Goes, uh, an old, I think, Cole Porter song. Um, and my dad uh, was a hairdresser. So I think that I could say that my father was very artistic. Both my parents could paint very well. Um, that my mother would not, my, my father's no longer living, but my mother would say, no, I wasn't any good, but she was actually. Um, so I would say that they're artistic. My sister could paint also, but there was no one else that was actually a performer in show business. I just find it very fascinating. That's why I was asked that question because I would say 99% of everyone that's been on the show comes from either an artistic or acting family. And I just find it really. Nobody's an actor in my family, for sure. Uh, we had a gangster. <laughs> my father was <laughs> a gangster. My uh, mother's father was um, a pawnbroker, actually had been a like a diamond salesman uh, during the 20s and 30s. And then I think he went into the pawnbroking business. But but my whole family would go to theater a lot. Everybody went to theater a lot. And, and that's where my first introduction into the business was by sitting in a theater and going, well, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. Did you take drama in school, in high school? Uh, I started working professionally when I was 14. So it was yes. beyond taking drama in high school. I was already in the business. So, um, you know, it was like I learned as I worked. Right. And I didn't really take official acting lessons until I was about 19, 18 or 19. Because I was working and you just kind of learn how to act as you go. Right. Um, well, I know you did a lot of theater because you spent a couple of years on Broadway in Greece. Oh, how cool. I want to tell everybody they need to buy this book because if they want to know more about me, there's some, you know, very private stories in here that I think are very interesting. And uh, it's a very good book. It's a really good book. Um, I, I spent two, two and a half years doing Grease, but I had done a Broadway show before that. Right. When I was uh, 15 years old. And I started uh, off as a dancer, basically. But you learn about acting. I, you know, I, I realized that I wasn't a, a great dancer. And then I knew that I would have to move into the acting part of it. Because my acting as a dancer was really good. I could convince the, uh, Michael Bennett, the choreographer, that I knew more than I did. <laughs> and I didn't. But I knew that I had acting chops. <laughs> well, I feel like... Uh like you said, you grew up, you know, learning it as you went along. I feel like you probably learned more from doing that because the great people you were working with. You learn by doing. You learn by doing. Um, I'm sure people gave you advice too, you know. No, or, nobody gave me any advice. Really? The best advice, Leslie Ann Warren gave me advice. If you know who Leslie Ann Warren is. Yes. Leslie Ann Warren found out that I started working professionally and she said, don't, uh, if you want to continue working professionally as a child, you should go to performing, you should go to professional children's school 
not uh, not performing arts. So um, that was really good. That was really good advice. God, my screen is dark. Do I look dark or? No, you look great. Perfect. Oh, good. Perfect. Okay. Because your background's a little dark, but you're not. I don't know if the sun is going down here or something. I have a nice ring light over here, but it looks like the sun, you know, the sun goes down kind of early. Hot now. <laughs> All of a sudden, because there was a whole lot of sun over here and there ain't any more. No, um, you're still so lit up. Good. So Leslie Ann Warren gave me very good advice because I wanted to continue working and you couldn't do that at performing arts. So, um, but very few people mentored me. I kind of had a natural instinct for the business. Really? I did. I mean, I, you are such a, a phenomenal actress. That's why I kind of thought that you may have gotten that, that Wow, to know you did it on your own, that's even more incredible. I, I have to say that I, I think I did it on my own <laughs> because nobody really had the experience. Uh, I mean, I had, I, I, I'm trying to think if you, my dance teacher, who was very a very famous dancer, his name was Matt Maddox, and he was in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and he was he was the basically the main one who was lifting Marilyn Monroe up and gentlemen prefer blondes. And he gave me my first job and um, he was my dance teacher, but he was part of the, the choreography community. And I, I really owe everything to him. And I tried to thank him for that many, many years later when he was in his late eighties, but he had memory loss. So I went over to him, he came in, from France, he was American, but but he was a big deal in France. And he came in to do a masterclass and I went over to him thinking he would embrace me and go, oh, Eileen. And I went over to him and I said, you know, it, it's because of you that I've been in the business. And he goes, really? I don't know who you are. And I go, I'm Eileen, I was your student. And he goes, and that was a very distressing moment for me because he was the really the person that I wanted to thank. Right. And he 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 was actually fairly cold with me, which he certainly wasn't when I was growing up. He was he was he was so lovely to me. You know, he gave me a scholarship. I we financially didn't need a scholarship, but he insisted that the excellence that I had as a kid deserved a scholarship. So there were so many things I wanted to thank him for. And, um, and you know, maybe I'll seek out his kids because they're both dancers. And maybe I'll tell them that I was never able to thank your father because that might be a good thing for me to do because it was very unresolved. Because when I saw him, uh, I just thought he'd go, I don't totally remember you, but I sure remember doing the bell telephone hour and, oh, wow, you know. Well, you you do thank him and you do I honor him by mentioning him and talking about him and crediting him for your help. I credit him everywhere, you know. Uh, so you do him proud by doing that. That carries on his name. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll reach out to one of his kids, though, and... Uh, just tell them that because he was um, 
he was such an inspiration to me and he was he was such a glorious um dancer but he was so generous because he came over to me one day in class and he had these what's called jazz pants and at the time you know they were like little bell bottoms that people used to wear and you used to have to have them made and the man was six foot six foot three and you know I was five feet or whatever and he came over to me and he came over to me with these little blue pants the color of what I'm wearing right now. And he said, uh, you know, Eileen, somebody made these pants for me, but they don't fit. Would you like to have them? And I went, and I, you know, I kind of knew he must have had them made for me. I mean, what a, a spectacular thing to do. That is. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Incredible and, you know, Michael Bennett, who I worked for, who, you know, ended up doing Chorus Line. Michael is no longer with us. He died of AIDS in 1987. Uh, you know, over the years, I would, you know, by by the 80s, I would have reached out to try to contact him to go. He taught me a great deal of discipline. And um, I never really got to thank him. He was kind of a scary creature. Uh, he, he, he could be difficult to work with, but I owe him a lot. Well, we owe him a lot because we got you out of it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Was Another World your first soap job? Another World? No, 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 not at all. No. Uh, my first soap job was Ryan's Hope. Was it? Okay. No, I didn't do Another World to the mid nineties. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. And that was a, a brief, that was like four months. Uh, no, I did Ryan's Hope in 1975 and I had never done a soap. Uh, I was not really a soap watcher as a kid. I really watched comedies. I was a I Love Lucy kid. I always say that I uh, that uh, Lucille Ball was my babysitter. <laughs> yes. She kept, <laughs> she kept me company a lot. Uh, so I grew up with a lot of comedy stuff. Uh, that was kind of where I saw myself heading and um, and I've been able to do comedy on, on soaps, no doubt, uh, especially with Roxy. But uh, so I did Ryan's Hope for three and a half years, the first go round. And then I came back in the early 80s and then I came back uh, for four years in the late 80s. And actually, that was my favorite time of doing the show, even though the best years of Ryan's Hope were absolutely the first three years. It was, the scripts were so magnificent. They, they were incredible. They were incredibly written. Uh, but my last four years was the most fun because I had established myself in such a way that I wasn't so scared of like losing my job every, you know, every two seconds. And, uh, and I felt confident about what I was doing and they wrote a lot of comedy for me then. So, uh, well, in Ryan's Hope, you played Delia Ryan. Yes. Um, I had a question about that. Was the soap opera written around you or the family? Because it was not the written around me, particularly it was written around the Ryan's family. See, you're not familiar with the show at all. And no. I yes that at some point everything is on YouTube. And if you watch some episodes from the first 
three years, you'll get an eyeful and an earful. Um, it was written around the Ryan family and they, and I was married into the Ryan family. Uh, I was part of the Reed family, R-E-I-D, and we lived next door and we were kind of, um, they were lower middle class or working class and we were poor. Uh, and um, I was entranced with the Ryan family because they're, they're the, you know, I wanted Maeve and Johnny to be my parents rather than the parents that I got stuck with, which right. The alcoholic um delia's mother sold tokens in the uh, train station and i don't think the father was around very much i think he was an alcoholic so um i married into the family but i was emotionally very immature and um problematic and very problematic for the character frank ryan who i married he he thought he was getting a woman and he got like a child bride who who was not ready to take care of a child herself. And um, and I was jealous and very immature. And um, but people became addicted to Delia's problems. Delia kind of eventually became not just a main character, but a central character, didn't she? Oh, totally. And I became a central character almost two weeks into the show. I, I don't know if they had ever planned for that, but um, that's that's what it became because um, um, I, I, people love Delia. They, they, they always felt like they were watching a train wreck. <laughs> right. It was not an easy character to play. Well, I mean, you the character had to straighten out a little bit because she became a doctor, didn't she? A doctor? Did no. she not? I you thought I'd read that she became a doctor. This. There's going to be a book out. Uh, I wrote the foreword for, uh, I didn't write the book. My friend Tom Lazante wrote the book. But there will be a book, a doctor? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. No, I never. Did they cross over back then? Like, because I know Delia has been on General Hospital. Yes, Delia, but Delia ran a bar, you know, basically on General Hospital. Uh, and um, I I think I had an antique clothing store. I did. I Delia had an antique clothing store, but no, no, she was not a doctor. There were other characters. I was married to a doctor. Maybe that's where I got that from when I was doing the research, reading yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Delia would not have the concentration to go to med school. <laughs> well, it, like I said, did they do crossovers then on the soaps? Because yeah. that's what I found so fascinating doing my research, how they brought Delia to General Hospital, the same character, everything. Yeah, it was a stretch, but they could have made it work. I, I play Ava's mother and... Uh, they, they needed to show why Ava was so screwed up. And so they brought me on to show why, you know, she was screwed up. Um, and it, it could have worked, uh, you know, and it could have. Right. They still, I, I think Ava still has conversations with Delia, but I guess they find it cheaper uh, to just have me as a phone call that doesn't exist. Um, right. 
I, I felt a little used after that experience. Well, they've been bringing a lot of old characters back. So you, I mean, you never know. Well, when you're not a regular on that show on General Hospital and you're not part of the total fabric of it, um, the chance of bringing you back is a little less than if you were an old character on General Hospital. They'll, they'll, they'll bring you back. I mean, we never know. We never know. I mean, they had me there for like on and off for two years and it looked like it was going to turn into something much more than what it was, uh, which I was really surprised that it didn't because I was, someone had told me that they had big plans for me and the next thing I knew I didn't have a job. That's crap. Okay, you know, it's, uh, as Roxy would say, it's water under the fridge. And I'm glad you brought her up because I was just fixing to say, we're going to jump to a, uh, a better note as far as shows, one that I'm more familiar with, and that's one like Live, Roxy. Come on, the world loves Roxy still. <laughs> I know that. And I love Roxy and I miss Roxy. I miss the whole show. As much as I love doing Ryan's Hope, and believe me, I, I really did, particularly the, that last four years of it. Um, One Life to Live was a sensational experience. I was there for 10 years and um, I was, I just really had a wonderful time. I got the job the day before 9-11. I was told that I would be doing the show. And my agent said, well, I don't know how long this job is going to last. And I go, what's the character's name? And he went, he went, well, it's Roxanne. And I went, Roxy. It's, I said to him, it's going to be on for a while. <laughs> I knew right away. Because I, I said to him, is she from the right side or the wrong side of the tracks? He goes, oh, the wrong side. And I go, and I thought to myself, I'll be on for the next 10 years, which is what happened, you know. And unfortunately, we never should have gone off the air. And, um, you know, ABC really screwed up. But I want to say more than ABC, it was Brian Franz. And he can take the blame for that. Well, I kind of feel like if, shows like one night to live and getting like because they kind of went off approximately the same time frame i feel like if they've been able to hang out another year or so online came about after that uh you know i didn't do the online show uh of um i think they would have called me in for that uh the people who were producing the online version of one life to live were vastly underprepared and did not take the advice of people who really knew how to do this and did not hire producers who were established enough to really give their opinion in a way that, that they hired people that they could get for a certain price. Not that they didn't know the medium, they did, but they had no, they didn't have the balls to stand up to um, Rich Frank and to Jeff Quantnitz who knew nothing about doing a soap, absolutely nothing. And, you know, they'd spend a thousand dollars on a blouse, but they wouldn't spend, you know, another thousand dollars to hire, you know, the people that they really needed to hire. So it was mistake after mistake after mistake. Now my boyfriend, the man I live with is Gary Donatelli, who was one of the directors of One Life to Live and then the online version of it. And um, he said that from day one, they were, um, 
they 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 did not know what they were doing in a, in a way that was satisfactory to running a television show. Right. I feel like if I had done something like that, one of the first moves I would have made is get gotten connected with some of the original cast. The cast knows that show through and through because you experienced it. Well, they had Erica Slazak was there and they had. Um, I mean, as advisors, not just as actresses, I mean, to help. Well, yeah, but, you know, they thought they knew everything. And I don't know, you know, Jeff Quantman's, you know, Rich Frank had a, a very rich experience. He did, you know, um, Shirley, um, uh, Laverne and Shirley. Okay, yes. I think he had a lot of experience, but he didn't know this medium. And he didn't know this medium that you shoot, you have a show that has to come on every every day, five days a week. And I think that was out of the realm of anything that they really knew how to put together. Um, and it, the, the shame of it was that Frank Valentini was actually supposed to be the producer. And then because they waited so long to do it and they couldn't get their ducks in a row to do one life he he did a smart thing when they offered him general hospital he went right do you remember your first day on the set of what one life to live oh yes i definitely do it was my scene was with erica slazak uh i don't know if you're familiar with the scene but erica comes to visit me in new jersey in Atlantic City. And the scene is hysterical. And, you know, she's there to tell me that her daughter may be my daughter. And it's just written so well. And I, I when I finished that day, um, the producer at the time, it wasn't Frank, it was Gary Tomlin. He came out and said, uh, so are you free? Because I knew, I knew we really had something. Oh, well, yes. I mean, the chemistry you had with just everybody on that set. I mean, or Roxy, I mean. And they really needed Roxy at that point because it was, uh, 9-11 had just happened and uh, people were in a state of, uh, you know, remorse and, and, and mourning and um, I really felt that as an actor, I could bring the level of, you know, I, I could just make people happier. And that was my goal. That's always been my goal with everything that I've ever done is that uh, I was there to entertain you. Um, you know, I never, if someone says you're a good actor, I says, well, I don't know if I'm a good actor or not, but I know I'm a good entertainer. You know, I know I'm entertaining and that's my goal is to entertain you because if you don't entertain you, it's boring, you know. Well, and Roxy, yeah. Roxy also was such a big fan favorite because yes, you know, Victoria and Dorian and all of them, they were good to fantasize, you know, their life, their richness. Roxy was real. Roxy was more like us, an average everyday person. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think people could relate to Roxy more than they could the others because. Uh, uh, yes. And I felt uh, I just felt in tune with the universe um, for 10 years. I, I, I can't say that I was treated the way I should be treated all the time. Uh, 
you know, they had me on contract and they took me off a contract. I worked like I was on contract, but I was never really given totally what I deserved on that show, to be really honest with you. And I don't know whose fault that was. I don't know. But I still had a spectacular time and um, I loved every minute of it. Were you prepared when it ended? No. No. Still not. Still not. Well, you're really not going to like my next question. Where do you see Roxy now? What do you think Roxy would be doing at this point? Oh, that's interesting. Well, she may have more than one beauty parlor. You know, she's, (laughs) you know, chain. um, Or she may have a club or something, you know. Uh, I, I, that's a really good question. Um, more, more of the same. (laughs) Right. Roxy was a kind of a constant. You kind of, you know, you didn't know what to expect, but you knew to expect something. (laughs) And and I love the clothing they came up with for me. And, you know, uh, I just, I loved the, the, the wardrobe people on that show were Fantastic. I ran into one of our wardrobe people yesterday. His name is Doug Couture. And we just had a really great time, you know, really, really great time. And Susan Gammy, who did the costumes, uh, she knew what to do with me. I brought my own stuff in for that first day of work. I brought in like ripped jeans and, you know, just really... uh, my clothes were kind of a mess the first day, but I felt it was it was important to establish that, you know, Roxy didn't have a lot. She didn't care either. She just, you know. Uh, so I miss it. I, there's not a day goes by that I don't miss Roxy. And um, because of the political climate, um, which, you know, I know you're from a you're from a red state, but I'm from a I'm from a very blue place. I'm from a red state, but I'm a I'm conservative Democrat. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Excellent. Because, uh, you know, this Trump thing has been really difficult. And it would have been interesting being on television at this time. Not that they would let us delve too far in that. But, you know, uh, I, I, I used to sneak a lot of innuendo into a lot of stuff. Uh, I used to make up, you know, they used to write those malaprop words, but I would fix them, you know, and they knew that they could write them half ass and I'd fix it. And I could, uh, you know, always find a way to make something funny. And I think we need it now. Everything is so serious. And General Hospital is a very serious place. Uh, I think I could have brought a lot of humor there. And um so anybody who is watching this, you know, if you want to tell them to bring a little humor back Absolutely. there, they could, you know, use me. I think I, I think I still look good on camera. So, you know. And, and everybody needs to know that you can write to the networks and let them know if you want to see a celebrity come back in a row or if you want to see a, a row go to a certain storyline. They do listen. They do take ideas. I mean, they, they look, they have their own ideas about things, but they do listen. And, um, you know, when I started doing Ryan's Hope, there was no way, uh, except by fan letters that, but now with social media, the way it is, oh my God, everybody's okay. 
say. Can you imagine Roxy hitting General Hospital? Well, that's just it. I I kind of wish they had brought Roxy in to be her mother. That would have made more sense because Roxy's back history was so sketchy that it really would have it uh, really would have made sense. Although you know, people knew Delia's history so well and. So it was a little problematic, but you know, the audience is very, if they like an actor, they don't care what the hell you're doing. Right. Like you, you know, and I, and I always felt like I was one of those actors where they go, I don't, I don't care what a storyline is, you know, put her on there. You know, so. That's awesome. Well, you're a professional, you're a true professional, so you can take it. I'm an entertainer. And, you know, my goal is to not bore you. And you're one of the actresses that someone could just throw a line at you off and you would, you would come back. I mean, I know you have seen you in most of what you've done. You can just, you're that quick and that great. I'm quick. I'm, I, I am quick, but it was a great cast, you know, I, Ryan's Hope and One Life to Live. And, you know, I did Loving for a year and that was a fun year. And then I did Another World and that was really quite interesting. I didn't realize it, but Gary Donatelli, my boyfriend, got me that job. We were not seeing each other at that time, but I ran into him and he had recommended me for that part of Madeline Thompson on that show. And I didn't realize it until about two years ago, Gary said, you know, I'm so glad I got you that part on Another World. And I went, you did, didn't you? And he, cause he, I ran into him on West 72nd street and I wasn't working. And he took down my number because he said, you know, there's this part coming up on Another World and I completely forgot that. And I wrote my number on a check because that's the only piece of paper I had. And I wrote the check out to Elmer Fudd, you know, the uh, <laughs> yes. for a million dollars. And he kept that check. And oh, wow. we've been living together for about seven years and he has that check. And I couldn't believe me. Oh, that is so cool. And it's, it's a really beautiful thing because I really needed that job. And it came out of nowhere. You know, my agent called me one day and he goes, oh, they want you on another world. And I went, they do? And I didn't actually remember that it was through Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also got to do the bay. I mean, and- I did. The thing I love about that is that's a true soap opera fans show because you get the chance to see all your favorite characters from the different shows in one show. Right. But you notice I'm not doing that either. And I thought I'd be doing a whole lot on that, but you know, uh, Gregory kind of, uh, fell down on the storyline for my character, uh, what did I play, Liza? What, what's I don't, what's my? Character? I think it was Liza. Yeah, I think I was a doctor on that. That I might have been a doctor on. I can tell you just. A I second. don't know who would ever make me a doctor. You were Claire Andrews. Cl- no, Claire. No. No, I'm sorry. Was- wrong pick. Wrong one. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I had the wrong window <laughs> open. <laughs> 
I think right. Dr. Liza Garrett. Garrett. Dr. Liza Garrett. That's where I got the doctor from. I knew that you played a doctor somewhere. I did. I don't know what kind of doctor I was, though. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I hope I was a psychiatrist. Well, you know, it wouldn't matter. Everybody would love you in any role you play in. I promise you that. Thank you. Well, you've also done more than just soaps. You've appeared in Law and Order, The Sopranos, Unforgettable. I mean, and many, many more. That had to be great working, especially The Sopranos. You are it's fun, but you know, it's very difficult coming on to those shows for one day. You know, they throw you in a Winnebago with a tiny little room. You don't see anybody else uh, until you get on set. I mean, and I can't even imagine what it's like working on set in the COVID thing. You know, as an actor, I'm very touchy-feely. And th this is not the time to be a touchy-feely actress. Um, right. So maybe, maybe uh, you know, my next job is waiting for me when we don't have to wear masks anymore. That's true. That is true. Theater. I went to the theater last night to see a show. And um, we had to wear masks. And... Just in my own personal life, uh, you know, I've been vaccinated several times and uh, I believe in the science and everything, but I've stopped wearing a mask outside and I actually um, don't wear a mask a lot on the subway because I like, I want my immune system to come back to the way it should be. Right. And, um, you know, <laughs> that's why I have a cold. Um, <laughs> but at least my immune system is going, okay, I gave you a cold, you know, that's, I didn't give you the flu. I didn't give you. And I had COVID after this reunion. We, 40 of us got COVID. Oh, oh. It was worth every was, moment of it. it was, I was just going to ask you that. Oh, no. It was worth every moment of it. Because I wish I knew about that book before I came on here because I really, really want to see it now. I'm going to get it now. You should buy it. You should buy it. Some, there's some great pictures of all of us. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm very honest about my experience on there, uh, uh, you know, uh, because my first week on the show, rehearsing the show was very difficult for me. I did not want to play the cheerleader. There's a great tape you can... I'll just tell everybody, there's a great tape. Eileen Kristen sings Yuck, Y-E-E-U-G-G-H. It was Patty Simcox's song in Greece, and it was cut on the first preview. And it's very crazy, and it's very funny. And Mary Lou Henner, who put together a bunch of events for us at 54 Below, this wonderful club, uh, made sure that Yuck was seen and heard because nobody really knew of this song at all because it was cut. And it's a very ridiculous song that people love. So- um, I will get that and I'll promote that. To post yeah, that yeah, because it's really, uh, it's a song with a lot of sound effects and uh, it, it just, um, it never had its moment in the sun until Mary Lou, you know. Well, you playing Patty Simpkins. Uh, Patty Simcox. Simcox, that was a mistake. I see you as a Rizzo. Well, no, at the time, you know, at the, I just actually did. I'm a Marty. Are you? Yes. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not like any of those characters, 
But the character that I felt the most comfortable with was either Marty or Frenchie. And they never saw me, you know, uh, no, they they just saw me as the cheerleader, which I look I, I look like a cheerleader. So but where I grew up in Brooklyn, I never knew any cheerleaders. We didn't have right. any cheerleaders. I didn't know what a cheerleader was. And so on my first week of rehearsal, I really floundered around. Um, but if you watch the yuck thing, um, it explains it all what my dilemma was, the, the you know my in in rehearsal um but i i am so 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 friendly with the my original company and with mary lou henner Uh, i didn't do the show with mary lou henner but we've become good friends and um she's a generous spirit and really talented and um uh very very smart you know she has that brain thing where she can remember what day right what she did on every day, uh, but she's really a wonder. And Tom Moore, the director, and Ken Waisman, the producer, and my good friends, Carol Demas and Joy Rinaldi. And and I just saw, you know, I just spent time with Adrienne Barbeau. Like two weeks ago, I was with Adrienne and Garn Stevens and my friend Muse Small. These were all the original gals. And well, next time you see her, let her know. I've sent two requests to her manager to come mm-hmm. on the show. Adrian mm-hmm. Barbo. Adrian Barbo. Oh, I'll I'll tell her. You I haven't got a response, but I've sent them twice just to because I love her too. Oh, she's wonderful. She is. She's she really is. wonderful. And you know, um, I I can definitely contact her. Uh, please do yeah i would love to have her on this show yeah yeah uh i've got to say every person that you're my 17th celebrity and every one of you that have been on the show are my favorites have been my favorites i've been a fan for for years i mean i grew up watching the soaps with my grandmother and my mom so you know this is really neat for me to be able to talk with you on yeah no and i i I like i like doing this a lot as i think you can tell um i'm very comfortable with this format um i think zoom has been an amazing thing and and the fact that it was there for us when we needed it i immediately started doing yoga classes on zoom uh, when the pandemic hit uh, and the fact that this technology was even here was amazing i mean quite amazing and it's um it's a good way to reach people what is your base uh like how many people on the average on the, that watch the show um i get between 700 and 1300 views on each episode that's great got about 3500 subscribers at the that's moment fantastic and it's only been going since september so Wow. That's impressive. Thank you. That's impressive. That's really impressive. That's great. That's great. I'm I'm glad you said you like doing this because I I planned on asking you back because my next adventure is to get a group of you all. Uh, Whenever. Uh, Absolutely. I'm I'm really, I'm really a fan of doing this. And I, I think, you know, it's important as an actor to just get your personality out there as a human being, because the thing that I think, um, 
I'm most proud of is who I am as a person, actually. Oh, you're phenomenal. You know, I, I think I've been good and kind and um, uh, respectful of other people and appreciative. And, um, you know, I try to be as grateful as possible. Um, well, you've got some true fans uh, because when I do these, I promote it in the different groups like General Hospital, One Like to Live. And there's so much good feedback. I mean, they love you. What you know where you were, if you were coming back. That's where I got the Roxy coming to General Hospital. Someone had suggested that. Yeah, well, I don't know if they could do that. Delia, <laughs> except that maybe Delia was hallucinating. You know that people were hallucinating that I was Delia. I mean, you know, they really wrote Delia as kind of Roxy when I. I mean, they could have had her as Delia, but it could have lent itself to Roxy being in Roxy-ish behavior because Delia was pretty out there also. We are talking about soap brothers, you know, there could be a twin taken at birth. There could be, there are usually is. You know, <laughs> you know it's just the, the, the thing that was the weirdest thing about it is I really felt that they needed the humor on that show. Yes. I, it's a little more serious than then uh all my children was then you know loving then the general hospital has always been rather serious and i think you need that that levity there but you know. two of my favorite so which i love all the cells but two of my favorites one life to live and guiding light and i was so blessed to have you as the relief on one life to live and your ex-co-star justin d's on guiding light to do the same. Justin's a friend of the shows. He's a friend of mine, a recent friend of I mean, mine. You know, it, you, you definitely should put us back on together That's, with other people. You know, uh, it, have you had Kim Zimmer? I'm working on her right now. Uh, it's just like I said, you know, I'm not in New York, so it's harder for me, or California, I can't go to the poses and all, or it's harder for me to get in contact. I have to go through all of these different people and I don't know anyone. Well, you know, you, you got in touch with me through Instagram. Now yes. I see it the first time because I post pictures on this, you know, on Facebook, I'm more, uh, well, I don't know, you know, all of Facebook is really crazy now, but um, I, I tend to answer people back more because Instagram is still kind of a mystery to me. I don't do Twitter because I don't, I, I just. I don't think Twitter's going to, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's going to make it. Well, you know, Elon Musk is so weird. I think people should just leave Twitter because a lot he's, that so are. Weird. he's so weird. I, and his motives are weird. And I, I don't know, something's crazy about that, but um, I like the visual element of Facebook and um, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, but, but I didn't read your thing on Instagram until you sent it again. You know, you said, I'd love to have you on my show. And it was like, yeah, sure. But you know, when I do that and I send it a second time, it's like, oh my God, they're going to think I'm a stalker. <laughs> Poor Fiona Hutchison. Love her. I, I love her. She's wonderful. You know, I, we've known each other a long time. Yes. Um, and she was thrilled to hear that you were going to be on the show too. She, she hit the like Justin, and everything. You Justin, you could get Fiona. I've had Justin. What? 
I've had Jess, but I want to get you. Oh, oh as a group. Get a group of us together. Justin, you read my mind. Justin and I did a play together called Fantasies of the Frick, and we got to slap each other. And I have, oh. I have pictures, you know, and everything. But Justin also had done Greece. We didn't do Greece together, but on the first day of Ryan's Hope, it was very bizarre because on the first day of Ryan's Hope, Nancy Addison walked in. Well, you don't know these people, but Nancy Addison Altman walked in and she and I were friends because her brother used to live in my parents' building. And uh, she was she had been on Guiding Light playing Kit Vested. And um, she was it's the, one of the most beautiful people I'd ever seen. So she walked in. It was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be working with Nancy. You know, we, we were kind of like sisters you know, and, and then Justin walked in and I went, Oh my God, Justin from Greece. And then Malcolm Groom had done Greece. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So, and then Bernie Barrow, who had been on secret storm or something, he was like, I didn't watch a lot of soaps, but I knew who Bernie Barrow was. So I, that first day of Ryan's hope and was so bizarre. Cause I went like, wow, this is one of those meant to be situations you know, karmically um, to work with Justin and to work with Malcolm and to work with Nancy was unbelievable to me. But uh, if you get a group of people together. Um, when you agreed to do the show, that's when it popped in my head because you and Justin Dees, like I said, two of my most favorite characters. And I mean, I, y'all were on Ryan's Hope, which I did not see i'm gonna look up clips to find it but oh well, you two are what made me think of so it. Many you clips. together there's so many clips there's just there's Putting you and justin d's together oh my god and throwing a few other but just you two together alone oh my gosh that's just gonna be a yeah, riot we haven't we actually haven't been in the same room with each other in years consider it done but we it's did happen we did this play together this fantasies of the frick which was uh he smacked you? What? Well, we and he it, got to smack, right. We got to slap each other. <laughs> That's crazy. Museum guard. He played a museum guard and I played like this um, East Side patron. And that's where I met my ex-boyfriend, William Russ, a very, very good actor, Rusty Russ, uh, and Justin's ex-wife, uh, Jody Catlin, was in the play. So it was wow. a... Very interesting set of circumstances. Uh, but it's really funny because I really wanted to work with Justin. And when Claire Labine, who wrote Ryan's Hope, was writing Guiding Light, Guiding Light, yeah, she was going to have me work with Justin. And that never happened, unfortunately. I In my mind, that would just be, like be the highlight of my life to see Roxy and buzz together <laughs> oh my gosh that's yeah we're gonna have to make that we're gonna if you that. write if you write to certain people on instagram and you just say eileen Kristen just did my show and she said that i you know she said that i should just write to you again on let's try that if that doesn't work then we'll as long as i have your permission to do that, i don't do that because i'm not i'm i'm say that eileen Kristen just did my show and she thought you'd have fun doing it. And, you know, our, our time on the soaps was quite extraordinary. And 
we have very fond, I have uh, very fond feelings about it. You know, people can say whatever they want about soaps, but to be able to do a character that gets so in the hearts and the minds and the souls of, a, of an audience, you know, five days a week, it, there's, there was nothing like it and there will be nothing like it. Um, well, with soaps for us fans, we feel like we know you. From that, whereas primetime and stuff, the 30 minute a week show stuff, you don't get that. But with daytime, and that was that helped people more than anybody could ever imagine. Believe me, I know. You know, I, I would see so many people who would say to me, you know, I I had to recuperate from a surgery and all of a sudden I, I started watching you and I just you helped me so much. And um and, you know, it was just amazing to be able to do characters that lasted longer than a 30-minute show. Right. And that's, you know, because someone said to me, well, there's all this, all this media going on, and that is true. But there's no replacing doing a, a character that you do for at least more than a year, or if you do it two years, you do it 20 years or whatever. I mean, I never got to do 20 years like a lot of people did, uh, but I, oh, but I definitely did over a you know a forty year period get to play a lot of characters, and, and so I was in people's consciousness for a long time, and I miss that. I I I miss that camaraderie with the audience. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and like I said, uh, at least an hour a day, you took everybody out of whatever situation they were actually living in to let them get some peace of mind for about an hour a week or an hour a day at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully, uh, you know, I'd like a nice third act. You know, I had a really good first act, a good second act, and I'm in the third act of my life. And But I'd like it to be a continuing character to take me off into mm -hmm. the sunset, of, you know. <laughs> right. Like... You know, like I'd like to die on set, you know, <laughs> at 99, of course, you know. Of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, you know, from my mouth, God's <laughs> ears, you know. Well, I hope people are watching the show and I hope people do tune into the show that. Is this, that is, is this going you. on live right now or? Yes, ma'am. It's going on live. Yes. Do people have any questions? I have to look real quick. Um, not so far. A lot of, I love you, Kristen, or Eileen, you know, a lot of comments, but not. Oh, good. All right. Well, what are some of the comments? <laughs> I need to have a good afternoon. You know, I feel lonely. I've got a call. Oh. Nobody wants to talk to me today. <laughs> <sighs> Hey, I will stay on with you as long as you want, because I I love my own, I do. <laughs> I'm getting to it. Let's see here. One night to live. I didn't well, realize we were live. I thought you taped this and then you. Uh, loved Roxy. Drabilliums. I don't know what that meant. Love her, Roxy. Roxy was awesome. She is a powerhouse. No, oh, thank you. You're just getting all kinds of love. 
Good. Well, that's nice. I, I, I feel, I feel it. And, uh, I give it back, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to see me somewhere, write to the producers of somewhere. <laughs> well, I mean, do you, do you have anything that you, that's might be coming up or a possibility? Well, that you could talk about. I don't want you to. to no, at, at the moment, no. I, <laughs> I, the, there's Orion's Hope book that's going to be coming out next year. But, you know, um, no, I uh, right now I'm uh, it's all's quiet. You know, I just did a reading of a fantastic play that's been done on Broadway called um, Vanya and Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike. And it was done, uh, Billy Magnuson, who was on a soap, uh, and Sigourney Weaver was in it. And I just did a reading of that the other day with my friend Nelson Aspen. And, um, you know, we're trying to make that happen somewhere because it's such a funny play. It's really, really, really funny. And it, it's been done across the country, but, you know, not with me in it. So, you know, well, like to and, you know, there's always shows coming up on Broadway, too. I know you like to do. Yeah, I do. Theater. You know, um, yeah, well, we'll see. You know, we we shall see. I, I you know, oh, um, if people don't know, I have an album that I wrote everything on with various co-writers. Uh, it's called I'm Not Done With You Yet. And that's on Amazon. I think it used to be on iTunes, but for some reason it's not but go to amazon and buy it it's 9.99 and it's worth every penny of that and um oh for sure and yeah. you've got a lovely voice because I, i've heard i did hear it during some of my research on youtube um, a couple of little well i i don't know if i'd call it lovely so much as um <laughs> yes it is oh thank you thank you um no I'm an entertainer you know that's uh, uh you know I sometimes say to people I don't know if I'm good or whatever but I know that I can entertain people you know and that's my goal you know that is my goal so and you do a fabulous job at it too thank you well I won't take up any more of your time today because I want you to come back because I am good you and Jester definitely got more but definitely you too yeah, no, I, that was sure. fun because, as I said, I haven't, you know, I I haven't seen him since um, the late seventies. <laughs> <laughs> He's still married to Margaret, correct? Yes, that's yes. good. Yes, they are. Uh, I'll tell you more about it after the show. Um, I appreciate you being here, though. If you want to hang out backstage or the waiting room for a minute, I'll be right back there with you. Okay. I will do Thank that. you, Ali, for being here today. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank Ali and Kristen for being here today and chatting with us. I'd like to thank the Necrotizing Fasciitis Foundation for sponsoring our show. For more information on necrotizing fasciitis, please visit www.necfasci.org. And please remember to subscribe to our channel for more upcoming episodes. Please be kind to one another and have a great day.